This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hi, and welcome to all of my wonderful listeners. I am thrilled and excited to be presenting Perek Lamed Dalid. This Perek is going to contain messages that are not only perfect for the nine days when we want to learn how to be kinder to other people and have avas chinam, but also the messages in this parak very much pertain to my own personal life and to the current events that are going on in my life in a pretty miraculous way. And I'd like to share, it's my pleasure to really be here and share that with you during this class. So just a little overview, David composed this parak. After, again, he has been miraculously rescued from danger, what happened? He was fleeing from Shaul, who's trying to kill him, and he finds himself in the territory of the enemy of the Plishtim, and the Plishtim want to kill him because he killed their giant. He killed Goliath. So he's in this situation where people are looking to kill him, and Hashem makes this unbelievable, very unique miracle. And what happens? Hashem makes it that David all of a sudden becomes a person who's not mentally well. He becomes insane. He starts acting mad. And he's he's like infused with this ruach of madness and he starts acting silly and different and mentally ill. And the people uh, and the Plishtim see him and Avimelech, the king of the Plishtim, sees him and he just says goodbye. Just get out of here. They don't have any desire to kill him anymore. Clearly he's out of his mind so let him just walk out and leave. Very unique miracle, and of course, when he left, as he's walking out, he returns to his regular, you know, senses and to his regular self. So, in discussing this miracle, you know, now he came out of it, and he's writing and he's composing this per- this parak. He speaks also about the protection. Most of the parak is talking about the protection that Hashem gives to those who fear Him, to those who are connected with Him, and. In, and he speaks about the concept of Yerush Shamayim and how people who have Yerush Shamayim are connected to Hashem and they are afforded a special protection, a special hashkacha pratis throughout their lives. And in speaking about Yerush Shamayim, the first thing that David HaMalach brings out, the first idea that he discusses, very interestingly, is the idea of Shmir Salashon. And this is a topic that is something that we all struggle with every moment, of every day, and it's, I'm so happy that I had the opportunity to bring to you some unique and innovative tools that could hopefully help all of us get you know get on the right track. Before I start, I must preface this this parak by telling you my own personal story of how this parak even came to be today. Um, last week, basically, what happened was. Um, I had a, a painful story where I had previously said something about somebody. I guess I said something in public or to somebody else about another person. And what I said was Pariv wasn't even necessarily a bad thing. It could have even be, been maybe possibly even interpreted as a good thing. But what ended up happening is that what I told somebody else then got told to somebody else and then it got told to somebody else and this game of broken telephone really took my words and made it into a new entity and made it into a rumor 
some nasty rumor that really I never, I never said. And this ended up last week coming back to me, and the person confronted me about it, that she heard that my name was behind this rumor. So this whole story was so extremely embarrassing, excruciatingly painful to me, because I care about other people. We all care about other people. We want to do the right thing. We don't ever want to be the cause of anybody's pain. There's enough pain in the world. And it was so painful to me that I could have been the cause of somebody else's pain um, to hear such a thing said about them. And it really, I was very distraught over it. And that's when I decided, I swear, right, from now on, I'm never, I was swearing to myself that I'm never going to speak about anybody, any person in the world ever again. It's never going to come out of my mouth. Good luck to me, right? Um, but I need to tell you what happened next. So what happened next was that came Shabbos, came the weekend, and I was flipping through the Tehillim to figure out what's going to be my next parak. And I didn't have to do much flipping. Let me explain. When I first started giving these Tehillim classes, I was always anxious about, like, what parak am I going to do next? Because I don't like doing the prakim in order, because I like to choose something that's calling out to me, that's speaking to me, that's inspiring a message in me that I'm, that I'm brimming over with. So, but it, so it was always like, so which one is going to be next? And I used to be a little anxious, but after giving a bunch of these classes, I started to realize that an unbelievable thing was happening. Every week when I sat down to figure out what class I'm giving, somehow I just knew. Maybe sometimes I had to turn to two or three prakim first, read them over and see, you know, until I found the right one. But most of the time, the answer came to me, whether it be that it came to me through just reading uh, the Mishpacha magazine and seeing somebody write an article that included one of the psukim of Tehillim and, and saying, ah, that's the parak I want to go to, or whether it be just an, uh, a letters that come to my, you know, number a number of a parak that comes to my mind. Um, just pops into my head. And that's exactly what happened to me, actually, this weekend. This weekend, I sat down to find the parak, and Lamedalid popped into my head. Why? I have no explanation for it, other than the fact that Hashem is giving me guidance. And that's the only possible explanation I have, because when I started reading the parak, what did I see? I started reading. I was like, oh, this is a nice parak. Yeah, I think I'm going to do this. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me this guidance. And then I bump into the words, Nitzar Mirma. Guard your mouth from speaking bad. Wow. And like a shiver went down my spine. This is exactly the message that I need to hear right now. This is exactly the, the way that I could kind of, in my small way, try to be metakin for this chit. That I did, because yes, no, did I say those words? I didn't say the words that the person heard, but it's still me. I put this whole train, this whole chain of events into action. And so this is the message that I need, and this is the way that I could feel like at least I'm doing something meaningful to correct my my ways and to make sure that I, you know, really get better and improve in my Shemir Salashon. So... Therefore, I'm really, Baruch Hashem, very grateful to have this opportunity to share with you two ideas that I've used in the past of ways to really um, help myself not speak Lashon Hara. And they're interesting, different ideas that I used that I found very helpful, and I'm, I'm very happy to share them with you to help you and to mostly to help myself. So let's look inside. Parak Lamed Dalid Pasuk Aleph. Ledavid Beshanoso Estamo Lefne Avimelach Vayigarshehu Vayelach. 
of David when he feigned madness in the presence of Avimelech, who turned him out and he left. Okay, so we spoke about this in the intro. I told you that the backdrop of this story is that David has this miracle where he's, he, he, Hashem puts in him this ruach of this, 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 like, silly behavior and he starts acting like somebody who's not all there and Avimelech sends him out and he walks right out and it's a big miracle. And now David is praising Hashem and he's showing that he's now recognizing new things about the world. Pasuk Beis. I bless Hashem at all times. Okay, so let's look at this for a minute. David is recognizing something unbelievable. Very often in life, we say, okay, I understand why Hashem had to do A, B, and C, and I know everything is for the best, but there's certain things that we just can't wrap our head around, right? Like there's certain things, and one of those things, in my mind, that I see people having a hard time wrapping their head around, is the concept of mental illness. This idea that a person who looks and seems to be okay could really have like this ruach in him of like not being able to see things clearly and not being able to act normally in, in, in the way that everybody else is acting. And... So many people struggle with family members like this, and, and, and it's hard to understand. It's hard to understand how Hashem could take a person. And, and so many of these situations, the person can't even do anything about it. It's like they're stuck because they're like a prisoner of their own self, and it's so painful to watch and so painful for people to be a part of. And we have to wonder, like, why Hashem, right? Why this? Why that you took away a person's Bechira to live a normal life? It's a hard thing to understand. The David HaMelech is saying here, Avarcha es Hashem b'chol eis. Every time, every time, you know, in every situation, at every time, I bless you, Hashem, and I recognize that everything you do has its purpose in the grand scheme of things, even something like this, even a person who seems like he's in such a, you know, nebuchadnezzar, a poor, difficult state, and he can't get himself out, and he seems to have no free will and no choice to make his life better, even something like that could have its purpose in the world. And he saw that from, from this incident, this very unique miracle that Hashem provided him with. Tamit hi laso befi. Hashem's praise is always in, in his mouth, in David's mouth. And he's saying here that even when I'm not speaking to you, Hashem, even when I'm not actively praising you, the praising you is so sweet to me. It's so delicious to my tongue that the sweetness lingers there on my tongue even long after I finish praising you. And it lasts all the way until the next time I start to speak to you again. Pasuk Gimel. Ba'ashem tesahal al-nafshi. Yishmu'u anavem v'yismachu. I glory in Hashem, let the lowly hear it and rejoice. So here David is being mechazik, mechazik all of us. He's being mechazik the anavim. What are the anavim? The anavim are the people in society who are poor, or who have difficulties in their family, or issues in any area of their life that make them feel less than. And truth be told, we all have this. Right? We all have areas in our life that make us feel less than in some way, unfortunately. And really, that's not the way we should be feeling, but that's the default state, right? If I have something different that's not fitting into the people around me, I feel low. And this is the, this is the anavim that he's referring to, and he's telling us, he's telling really all of us, Yishmu, listen, pay attention, anavim. Pay attention, those of you who are feeling less than in some way. 
David is saying, I also had those situations in my life. I was being shunned by all my enemies who were spreading rumors about me. My machos was being split. My own son was taking people and brainwashing them about me. Right? He had all these hardships in his life where people didn't view him as who he really was. A chash of king. They didn't view him that way. And he's saying, Bashem Tishal Nafshi. Guess what? I don't have to care what everybody thinks. My nefesh is with Hashem. Hashem is taking care of me. Hashem gives me my dignity. Hashem gives me my sustenance. Everything is taken care of by him. I don't have to care what anybody else thinks. As long as I'm doing well with him, Yismachu. I could be happy and you should be happy. All of you, Anavim, know that you could live a happy life with whatever it is that you're dealing with because Hashem Nafshi, the only one you need approval from is from Hashem. And if you're doing your best, then you have that. Pasuk Dalid. Hashem iti shemo yachtav. Now exalt Hashem with me. Let us extol his name together. So David is now addressing his friends all of us, and he's saying, join me in praising Hashem. So look at the word Gadlu. Gadlu is the same root as the word Migdal, a tower. Gadal, the word Gadal is is kind of showing, is, is, is referring to the godless of Hashem that like a tower. When when you see a tower, you know that it's not just high up in the air, it's rooted deeply and firmly in the ground. He's saying that Hashem is here with us. He's, he, you're, you're chashuv. Hashem, not only is he neromama, rum means high up in the sky, disconnected from the ground. Not only does Hashem have those traits that make him way above all of us human beings, but Anavim, listen, you, Gadlu Lashamiti, let's remind ourselves that Hashem is Gadol, that he's Migdal, that he's connected down here into the ground, that he's on top of every single thing that's going on in your life. How could it be that you're lower than another person in the world? How could it be that you should feel ashamed of something that you're dealing with or something that you're going through or something that you're struggling with? How could it be? God will Hashem let me, let me just, let's remind ourselves. Hashem is here amongst us. It has to be that we are inherently valuable and precious exactly the way we are. Okay, we're going to skip around because it's a long parak, and we're going to skip to parak tests. Tamu ureu kitov Hashem, Ashrei hagever yechasebo. Taste and see how good Hashem is. Happy is the man who takes refuge in Him. So here, David is continuing to praise Hashem for protecting us, and he's saying, Tamu ureu, taste and see. What is tamu? Taste. What does this mean? Taste the goodness of Hashem. So what he's so just to give you an example, my son yesterday came home hungry from a long day in camp and he came home and I was making steak on the stovetop, on the grill pan, and he said, Oh steak, you know, he's a chicken eater, he likes chicken, and he was a little disappointed. And I knew that the steak looked delicious, it was coming out yummy, I had tasted it, and I said, I said, Trust me, just just take a bite, just taste it. And he was very reluctant because he was annoyed about the steak. Finally, he takes a bite and his eyes light up and he's like, yum, right? And then he's eating it, he's eating it and he's enjoying it and he's wanting more and more and more. And this is the tamu, right? He could never have known how delicious it actually was and wanted more of it and finished the whole thing if not for the tamu. We have to taste the goodness of Hashem. It's not enough for us to hear about it, to learn about it in Tanakh or in Musr, to remind ourselves about it. It has to be that we try it on, taste it, actually do it, be in it, 
experience the intimacy with Hashem. And how do we do this, though? So I have a story that I want to relate. My aunt Suchu, um, my father, Oliver Shalom's sister, told me this beautiful story. And she repeated it in one of her beautiful lectures. And I want to just say it now because I think it fits in so beautifully here. And it really illustrates the way. It really shows us exactly what the recipe is, in my opinion, my humble opinion. To me, this is the recipe of how to taste, how to experience that connection and the goodness of Hashem. So she said that growing up, her mother, my grandmother, who I speak about in many of my classes, my grandmother used to tell her, Medarf nisht narbeitin sugat, medarf danken ochit. Excuse my Yiddish. Basically what it means is we can't just beitin sugat, we can't just ask Hashem for what we need, medarf danken ochit. We also have to thank Hashem. And my grandmother used to tell her this over and over. She was she was a real tzaddikah. She had beautiful lessons that she gave over to the children. And this was a lesson that she said over and over. And after she was she passed away, um, my Aunt Sucha went to the Belzer Rebbitzin, and she was having a meeting with her, and she told the Rebbitzin, my mother used to, you know, when I grew up, my mother used to tell me, Medarf Nishnar, Medarf Nishnar, Beitin Sugat, Medarf Dankin Ochid. You know, my mother used to give me this message, and she said the Rebbitzin just lit up, and the Rebbitzin took her hands, and with conviction and excitement, over and over she repeated, Baitin and Duncan and Baitin and Duncan and Baitin and Duncan and Baitin and Duncan. She was just repeating this over and over and over. And to me, this is Ta'amu. This is the tasting. The tasting, the experiencing comes from asking Hashem for what you want, from noticing it in your life, and from thanking it, and from thanking Him. And this is encapsulated in this idea, Baitin and Duncan, Baitin and Duncan, Baitin and Duncan. That's how we get to this place of Ta'amu, taste, taste the goodness of Hashem. So that was Pasuk test. Now we're moving on to Pasuk Yod. Yiru es Hashem kidoshav kien machsar lereav. Fear Hashem, you, his consecrated ones, for those who fear him lack nothing. So the kidoshav here. So now we're transitioning. And David is now talking about, he, you know, he was speaking about the praise of Hashem for taking care of all of us. And now he's specifically talking about the Yari Shemayim, the person who's connected with Hashem and how he especially lacks nothing. Ein machsar lereav. He especially, not only just he have the connection with Hashem, that Hashem takes care of him on an individual level, but he's not lacking a thing. So the Kedoshav are the people who fear Hashem, who stay away, and who go through great lengths to stay away from anything in their life that could lead to sin. They, they, they try really hard to remove themselves from anything that could lead to anything bad. So the Shla notes that it doesn't say here that the Kedoshav are going to have everything in the world that they could ever want. The Lashon that's used here is Ein Machsar. They're not lacking anything. So why specifically this Lashon? And the answer is that the person who is a Yari Shamayim and very connected with Hashem, and he, he's removed from materialism to the extent that he's soaked, he's like really busy with spirituality. And when a person is busying himself with spiritual matters, there's no machsar. There's nothing lacking. Why? Because spirituality doesn't have a limit. There is no limit to how many mitzvahs we can do. There's no limit to how much Torah we can learn. There's no limit to how much I can improve my character. There's no limit to how, how much I can improve my relationships. There's no limit to how much I can have a connection with Hashem. There's no limit. 
when I'm busy and my life is, my priority is spirituality, there's no lack. I have everything I could ever want and more. It's all there for the taking. But the physical, materialistic pursuits, if that becomes the person's goal, then he's in trouble, right? Because it's never enough clothing. And it's never a nice enough house. And it's never a nice enough car. And there's never enough money, right? Even the richest people in the world don't have enough money. They're busy trying to get more. So Ein Rachzalei here is showing us that this added benefit that this Yari Shemayim has, that he's content with his life because he's never missing anything, because he's living in that Ruchniyistic world. We're going to skip now to Pasuk Yud Gimel. Mi ha'esh ha'chafetz chayim, ohev yamim l'eros tov. Who is the man who is eager for life, who desires years of good fortune? So now we're going to just explain for a minute, right? This is the theme that we're getting at tonight. This is what I started off with that I wanted to bring out, especially over, you know, more than anything, I wanted to bring up this idea of Shemir Salashon and bring awareness to it and bring you practical ways of handling it better. So, but the question is, we're talking here, David's talking about Yerushalayim. So why is the first thing about Yerushalayim here talking about Shemir Salashon? Interesting, right? So the answer is, and I'm going to give you an example first to illustrate my answer. When the kids are in school, they come home from school, they come home from a long day, and I'm an awesome mother, right? I'm like a rock star. I open the door, give a huge smile, delicious food on the stove, I could pat myself on the back and feel like a great mom, right? But what happens when there's a pandemic, right, and the kids have no school? What happens then? So let me just tell you what happened then. Um, I'm going to be very vulnerable right now, as if I already wasn't enough, right? Um, this is what happened. When I was, the first few days, the kids were home. I was balancing work and kids. And my kids decided that, you know, it was must have been three days into this whole, you know, fun thing for them that they're staying home. And they decided the way they're going to entertain themselves is that they're going to put on a skit. And I should video the skit. So what, what happened in the skit? What happened in the skit was that there was my daughter and there was my son. Now my daughter was acting out me, mommy, and my son was acting out one of my kids, any of the kids. And my daughter was sitting there. This was what happened in the clip. My daughter's sitting there and she's on the phone working. And she's busy working, schmoozing with her, you know, assistant about her work or whatever it is. And the, and the kid comes in, my son, right, who symbolizes any of the children. He comes into the room and he goes, Mom, I guess he's playing himself in the skit. Mommy, uh, could you help me with A, B, and C? And you see my daughter going, don't bother me now. Go out. I'm busy. Come back in five minutes. And then, of course, five minutes passes, and he comes back in, and of course, what does she say? I'm busy, I need another ten minutes, Go, please don't bother me, I can't hear about this now, whatever. Again, ten minutes goes by, he comes back, and this goes on, right? This goes on, and we're all laughing our heads off, right? But, Lemaise, it's embarrassing, right? <laughs> this is what goes on. And then, the worst part is, he comes in for the very last time, this is the ending of the play, he comes in for the very last time, and he says, uh, Ma, okay. And finally, my daughter, who's representing me in the play, <clears throat> she gets up, and she says, You don't stop. What? You're such a chutzpah. Go to your room. Right? So what happened here? Why am I such a good mother? 
when it comes to a regular average day in school and I only see the kids when they get home. And then when it comes to, you know, them being home all day, I'm all of a sudden being unreasonable, right? You're the chutzpah. Go to your room. I'm the one that pushed them off 15 times, but he's the chutzpah. So what happened to me as a mother, right? Well, what happened is something that my, my, I assume, I would hope, <laughs> happened to not just me, right? It's something that was difficult for all of us mothers being home with the kids all day long. And why is that? Because when you have to do something all the time, it's much harder than when you have designated time slots. When you have a designated time slot, for example, to do a mitzvah, a yantif, a Shabbos, being a good mother, uh, davening, it's easier to do it right. It's easier to get, to get it right than if it's something that, than if there's something in your life that you have to do all the time. And shmiras halashon, is is all the time. Our speech and our thoughts are going on in our heads non-stop, every second of every day. So let's just validate for a minute and really take the time to to see the fact that yes, it is very difficult to control and be mindful every single second of every day. And that's why this is the first thing that's listed here at, under the topic of Yerushalayim, because this is where you need Yerushalayim, right? It's easier at the times when I'm lighting the Hanukkah menorah, I'm not going to answer the phone, obviously, I'm lighting the Hanukkah menorah, right? It's harder when it's something that's going on all the time, and speaking and thinking is all the time. So this is presents a unique opportunity to really practice our Yerushalayim, and that, that's why it's the first thing here that's written about by David HaMelech in talking about Yerushalayim. Pasuk Yudalid. Nitzar, sorry, I didn't, I want to just explain first uh, Pasuk Yudalid Gimel. So, what does this mean? It means he who desires, who the man who desires to attain, who is, the man who is Chafetz Chaim, the man who desires to attain a level of existence that can truly be called life. Chafetz Chaim doesn't mean a person who desires the pleasures of this world. Chafetz Chaim means a person who wants to live on a higher plane. He wants to live a quality life, a higher existence, an existence that lines up with spirituality. This is who the Chafetz Chaim is. And this man, Oev Yamim Leros Tov. What does this man do? He loves every day because he sees the good in everything. His mindset is positive and he sees the good in everything. And seeing the good in things is really the answer. It's really the way to protect ourselves from speaking Lashon Hara. Because everything else is kind of a band-aid. And yes, band-aids are good. And we're going to talk about some very good band-aids tonight. Band-aids are great. But the root of it, which I talk about in, in, in so many of my classes, is the mindset. Are you, are you asking yourself what's wrong with people? Are you going into the world, waking up in the morning with the question of, of what can I find wrong and what can I find bad? Or are you waking up with the question of what's good in my day? You're going to love your days if you see the good. And it will be way easier for you to do what it says in Pasuk Yudalad. Guard your tongue from evil, your lips from deceitful speech. So, how? Okay, let me give you my two ideas. The first one, the first idea of how to be more careful with Shemir Salashon is as follows. So number one, like I said, it's hard when it's just all the time. None of us could be 
mindful all the time. So, so we tend to just get overwhelmed and chuck it, right? I'll work on a different mitzvah. This one's too hard. Instead, let's, let's make it more manageable. Let's make it more bite-sized for ourselves. And 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 decide and ask ourselves, see things for the future a little bit. Pre-correct yourself before you get into a situation, right? Let's say I'm about to go to sit at a Shabbos meal, or I'm about to talk to an old friend, or I'm about to have lunch with my sisters, or I'm about to do something where I know is it's a good breeding ground there for Lashon Hara. So before I go into that situation, I can set an intention that I'm going to be careful. During that time that I'm with those people. And another nice thing to do, another very effective thing to do is to say, to, to set in your intention to tell yourself, I'm going to be careful. And every time I talk about somebody else in a way that's less than ideal, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a number. So I'm going to count how many times I talk about other people in a way that's less than ideal. So if I, if I, you know, or even talking about any other, if you're on that level, even talking about people altogether, right? Because you see the trouble that I got into. I said something, right? When you start talking about people, it just, things could get misconstrued. And then you could start talking more about people and it becomes to you like no big deal. So we want to be careful with that. So you, you want to put a number on it in your mind, right? So let's say I find myself saying something about somebody and I had set this intention before I came to this this event or whatever it is, this phone call. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be aware of it now. Oh, that was one, right? And then I'm gonna say that was two, right? Hopefully not even. Hopefully I won't even get there. But why does this work? And it works because it's so easy to say Lush and Hara and to act like, you know, in a lesser version of yourself. It's so easy to be a lesser version of yourself when you're not noticing it, right? If you're not noticing the the potato chips, how many are going into your mouth, you'll eat the whole bag. But if you start counting, imagine if you count one, two, right? Then you're going to be much more careful, much more mindful, right? You don't want to get, you sit at that Shabbos meal and have to say to yourself, 12, 13, 15, right? No upstanding individual is going to be able to look at themselves in the mirror after they got to the number 25, of, of talking about people 25 times, right? So we're gonna, it's gonna just automatically help us be careful with our Lashon Hara. And just this mindfulness of counting really, really helps. It helps in, in, there's many different areas that I use it in, and this one helps as, in this area, it helps as well. The second idea is that instead of, you know, this idea of picking a random hour in the day where we each get an hour, um, if it works for you, keep doing it. Personally, I have a hard time with it, and it just doesn't stick for me. And what I found that helped me more was actually deciding, who do I speak Lashon Hara about, right? We all have those go-to people, the, the person that you perceive as being a snob in shul, the family member who didn't invite you for a yantif meal, whoever it is, you know, those people are the people that tend to grate on your nerves over and over and over very often. So who are the people that you generally end up speaking badly about the most? And single them out and zone in on them and make that decision that those are going to be the people that I'm going to be extra careful about. And you could even, you could even decide who you're not going to be talking Lashon Hara about them to. So you could even say, well, I very often talk to, talk about this person in shul with my best friend. 
So you could say from now on, I'm not talking about that person with that friend, right? You could like blacklist certain people uh, that you're not going to be talking about them and who you're not going to be talking about them to. Pasuk Tesvav. Shun evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. So this is our second lesson in our training course by David HaMelech, in our training course of fearing Hashem. If you want to be a Yari Shamayim, not just it's not just that you do good and that you stay away from bad. You have to soar meira. You have to actively, with effort and consideration, figure out strategies of removing yourself from the bed. It's not enough to say, I'm not going to do it. You have to put safeguards in place. So far be it from me to be discussing this, and I feel inadequate to even bring up this topic because I struggle, you know, I'm, 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 I'm struggling with all of you. We're all in all these things together. So I don't want it to seem at all preachy at all. But when I heard, when I saw this, Sormeira, the first thing that popped into my mind is the internet. And I'm not going to get into a whole discussion about the internet now because it's beyond the scope of this course. But what I do want to say is that we have to recognize that if you're not, if we're not 15 years old anymore, we're out of touch in a very good way, right? Not in a bad way, in a very good way that we didn't grow up with all this. But Lamaisa, we have to know where it's going to affect us. We're out of touch. We don't know these about these new apps and, and all the abilities that technology has these days. And that's scary because our children are 80 million steps ahead of us. 80 million steps ahead of us. Even if you think you are good at technology, your, your eight-year-old probably still knows more than you. You don't, re, we don't realize that, you know, downloading, uh, a very, you know, innocent-looking, cute game for our four-year-old or our six-year-old or our eight-year-old. You don't, you don't even realize that they could, in reality, while you think they're just playing a silly game, they could be chatting with some guy, some forty-year-old guy named Brian in Kentucky. Scary, right? And you wouldn't even know. We're busy with our own thing. The kid takes the device and goodbye, right? It's a pachad. We don't know what's going on. There's there's endless opportunities for danger there. And Sormeira, we right, we have to be crazy on top of it and we have to be scared. Here is where fear is a good thing because it reminds us to stay on our game, to be extra vigilant, to be extra 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 cautious. And th- this is my message. If it's not a pachad for you, If it's not a fear, then something's not right. Something's not going to go right. It has to be, you have to recognize what you're dealing with over here. We have to feel the fear. Pasuk Chaf Aleph. Shomer Kolatz Mosav, Achas Mehena Lo Nishvara. Okay, so now we're going back to talking about how Hashem protects us because David HaMelech is about to end off the parak. So he's going back. He's closing it off, and he's going back, and because he's, he's about to end off with the words "Poda Hashem Nefesh Avadav," he's about to say, you know, remind us all this, this backdrop story that we're, he's talking about here, where Hashem saved him miraculously from the plishtim, 
So he's, he's, he's going back to talking about the protection of Hashem, and he's saying, Shomer kalat Hashem keeps all of our bones intact, and so that not one of them should break. So Rabbi Gamliel says very interestingly here, you know, he points out that we tend to think that when, we're, when things are going right and everything is healthy with us, that that's the norm, right? That it's normal that every single thing in our body, the gazillions of things that are going on at the same time, it's normal for them to all just know exactly what to do and do their job perfectly, right? But he's saying, no, it's not normal. It's more normal that a million things should go wrong every single day. But what? Shomer kalat mosav. Hashem stands guard. Atam is shamra bekirbi. Hashem is guarding us. He's watching us and he's protecting our body every second of every day. And we have to keep that in mind. And here we're skipping to the last pasuk chafkemol. Like we said, podashem nefesh avadav So he's just wrapping it up and just reminding us about how Hashem redeemed him and took care of him, and that everybody who takes refuge in, in Hashem will experience that those same miracles. So in summary, we focused on the idea of watching our speech as an extraordinary opportunity to practice our Yerushalayim, and, and that that's what Yerushalayim is all about. It's not the one-time thing here, the one-time mitzvah there. It has to be infused in every single second of our life, and the way we do this is through focusing on our speech and on our actions and on our thoughts. And I want us all to try, you know, we consider, to consider to try one of the tips that I gave tonight about number one. The first idea was to row as go into the event or go into the phone call or go into the meeting already deciding that you're going to be careful and that you're going to count every time you talk about somebody else. And the second idea that we gave is that we said we can zone in, we can pick the people that represent our troubled problem areas, zone in on not saying Lashon Hara specifically about them. So what the, what these two things do is that they create, they make the situation more manageable for us. They make it more bite-sized, right? It's not everywhere, every day, every second. It is, right? But we're, we're, we're making it happen in a way that we could actually not be overwhelmed. And at the same time, we're, we're zoning in on the most problematic areas. Hashem should help us. Each one of us should be a Chafetz Chaim. We should desire to live quality lives so that we could be motivated to protect and to safeguard our greatest power, the power that holds in it, the ability to build or destroy or destroy lives. Hachaim va'amavas biyad alashon. We should we should desire a higher level of existence so that we could be we can be so careful. We could be motivated to really watch our speech. I invite everybody who is part of my WhatsApp group. Many of you are on there, so reach out to me and please share your personal experiences with these ideas. Tell me. Try them out. Tell me how it worked for you. I really would like to start something new, and I would love that at the beginning of, of the classes, before I even start, that I could be able to relate to you some of the successes that your fellow, your fellow, you know, your friends and, and, and fellow people are having, so that it could be machazik all of us. So I would love to hear from you, to hear your successes, and to try to give it over to everyone so we could all share in your victories and in your success and we could all be motivated to do the same. If you want to be part of my WhatsApp group, visit the TN Tehillim page on my website, yalbertram.com, and click on the words, join the group. Thank you for listening.